All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to chat about the Denver Nuggets here. Uh, apologies for missing last night's episode after the, the Nuggets defeated the Utah Jazz. On one hand, I was already very tired. On the other hand, I was having technical issues. I don't know if you guys saw me try to go live. It was not pretty. It was not the the best thing here you do have you have no idea what my setup looks like right now it looks like a disaster uh because i'm trying to uh just get the podcast out for everybody and make sure that everybody can uh, uh can can watch it on, on the right time so hopefully it goes well hopefully things are relatively straightforward here i uh, hope everybody's having a great happy halloween uh got the the moody lighting here a uh, little little bit of shadow here on the on the sets trying to uh set the tone for a, a tremendous halloween i hope everybody's having a great time if you if you have children i hope they are having the time of their lives tonight that's uh that's obviously the most important thing in a holiday like this one and if you're dressing up and you're you're going to a halloween party yourself then hopefully you enjoy this podcast when you get back so thank you so much for tuning in please make sure to hit that like button, that subscribe button on the YouTube side of things. It helps us out tremendously. We are trying to continue to grow the podcast and make it the best that we possibly can. And I'm, I'm doing my best over here. Uh, sorry, I went a little Southern there. Trying to do both pick axe and roll and the alley-oop, which you can also follow on all of the socials and make sure to go check that out as well. Just had a nice podcast there with my my guy, Brendan Nunes, who covers the Sacramento Kings. So make sure to check that one out as well. Uh, but let's focus in right now on the Nuggets and the Jazz. I want to share thoughts in the first segment on that game. We'll only do two segments today. First segment will be on Nuggets Jazz. Second segment, I want to talk about why the Nuggets are playing as well as they are. What is causing them to play the way that they are. And I like to share stats in, in situations like these. So I've, I've got some different numbers that I'm going to throw out there uh, from cleaning the glass. So hopefully things go well. Hopefully you enjoy. Let's dive in. First and foremost, let's talk about Nuggets and Jazz. Joker gets his 107th triple-double of his career, tied for fourth in the NBA all-time. Jokic goes for 27 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, was a plus 13 in a game the Nuggets won by eight. Seen that movie before, definitely something understandable, uh, absolutely. Uh, what up, J.K. Walrus? Uh, happy, happy to see you stopping by. Um, it is tremendous, I think, to watch Nikola Jokic. Nobody here needs me to tell them that. If you're already here, you know who Nikola Jokic is. You know how tremendous he is. You know how great he is. Him tying Jason Kidd, LeBron James in triple doubles, no other center really does what he does. He is his own person. He is his own player. And the uniqueness with which he approaches basketball has always been fun. It's always been cool to document. And I actually got to ask him, during the game or, or not during after the game and in, in the post uh, post game session, what about his game would he compare to some of the other guys on that list, whether it's kid, whether it's LeBron, other guys that are on the triple doubles list, he kind of shied away from it a little bit, but said, 
versatility. That was the thing that he uh, that he absolutely wanted to highlight. And I was pretty impressed with that answer. He always he also said just doing everything I can to affect the game. Uh, that was an interesting quote as well. And like he does do that. He does absolutely do that. And he deserves a ton of credit for not settling in the ways that he can affect the game, whether it was at a young age when he was uh, as self-described fat point guard, like that was his uh, upbringing for sure. He learned how to affect the game in every single way as a rebounder, as a scorer, as a passer. And now even as a defender, he has been tremendous and it's why he's the best player in the world. But more than anything, it's because he doesn't have any weaknesses because he's worked on so many things to become strengths. And you can't highlight anything else. It's been very, very cool. So I uh, got to love Joker. He's been doing amazing things. He now needs 31 more triple doubles to tie Magic Johnson at third on the all-time list. He's at 107. Magic's at 138. Jokic had 29 last season. That was a career high for him. And I think I would expect him kind of with where Denver's at, with where he is at as a player, I'd expect him to be in that 25 to 30 range for much of the rest of his prime, however long that extends. So could he pass Magic by the end of this season? Maybe. He would have to go on a major streak. And I kind of don't expect it because I think Murray, with the way that he has improved as a playmaker, Porter and Gordon with the way that they impact the game as rebounders. The Nuggets like to share the wealth and they they don't necessarily like to always have Joker be that focal point. He just often is because he's really damn good. Uh, But I think that Joker will probably break Magic Johnson's uh, third third overall listing on the list next season. And then the real question is, could he actually break the all-time triple-double record? I think it's a possibility. Russell Westbrook is currently at 198. He's obviously still playing, though he's now in a situation in uh, with the Clippers where he may not be a guy who can do all of the things all the time anymore. So I'd expect him to probably finish in the 200 to 205 range over the course of the rest of his career. Like He still has the talent to be able to get one every now and then, but I don't expect him to kind of rack them up. So Joker would need to pass, let's say, 205 by the end of his career. And I think if he averages 25 triple doubles over the course of these next four seasons, that's another 100 on top of the 107 he already has. He could do it by the end of the fourth season. Like There's at least a a possibility there. So I think he will pass Russell Westbrook. I don't want to project too far ahead, obviously, but Luka will obviously pass him too. (laughs) Like Luka is on track to do what Joker is doing, but he's starting from a much younger age. If you look at the all-time triple doubles list, uh, it is fascinating to see where guys really pop up. So if I look at where Luca is right now, he's already at 58. And Luca is obviously still growing in this league. And like, there's no reason why he shouldn't rack up another 30 this year. Like he just, that's just what he does. So I expect Luca to ultimately break Joker's record, but it doesn't change what Joker does. It doesn't, doesn't change how he has affected the game from a position of at, at the center spot where nobody's ever done it like this before. So really cool to see him do it. And Nuggets fans obviously never take it for granted, never take it for granted, even on a back-to-back against the Utah Jazz. 
Jamal Murray in this last game, he was fine as a shooter, uh, not necessarily great, 7 of 19, and he missed some shots that he definitely should have hit. Uh, I think that... The sneeze passed. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> um, I think that Murray always likes to... He always likes to try to get guys involved. Now he's averaging eight assists per game, and that is a tremendous thing. Had 14 in this last one. That was very cool. Um, now Snowwolf says, you sat, sat right behind me in the Jazz game. Section 132 is on my left shoulder, I believe. So that's a that's an interesting one. Very cool. Uh, should come say hi next time. I'll uh, I'll definitely say hi if you're if you're if you're around and in section one thirty two for sure. Um, but yeah, like it's Murray with the way that he's playmaking. It is clearly the area of his game that has seen the most growth. He also played great defense last night for the most part and does a lot of great things on on both ends of the floor. Now that he's now an all around player, and even if the jumper isn't really falling every now and then he can still make it work and he can still be a productive and helpful player. And that just just really evolved over the course of his career. So tremendous stuff. I think it's probably the reason uh, it is probably the reason that Murray will be an all-star this year is because on top of being on the first seed in the West, in all likelihood, he is playing at the peak of his powers and is affecting the game in a variety of ways. Needs to grab more rebounds. He only has two rebounds per game, which means he's grabbed eight total so far this year. That has to go up, obviously. But everybody's trying to grab rebounds on this Nuggets team, so I, I don't blame him for not necessarily getting them himself. Aaron Gordon played pretty well on both ends in this one. Shot 10 of 12, guarded Larry Markinen. Larry shot 10 of 24, so it's interesting that, hey, AG made the same number of shots. Didn't get to the free throw line as much and didn't hit as many threes, but... Still was good to see AG just put in the production, and he did it extremely efficiently in half the number of shots of, of Laurie. So very, very impressive from AG. He looks very good. And the only thing that I think you could really criticize is the free throw shooting. AG did pretty well in the in the preseason. He did pretty well early on in the year. Now these last couple of games, he's missed some free throws that he, he needs to make, obviously. So something to watch out for. He, he definitely fluctuates with that, that free throw percentage. And anytime he is hacked a little bit too hard or has been going for a little bit too long, it's almost a guarantee that he's going to go O of two or one of two at the line. So he's got to get that right. And, and maybe that's something that as you focus a little bit more later in the regular season and into the playoffs and his, his percentages will be better, uh, but we'll find out. We'll obviously find out. AG has got to be like, given that he's around the, the dunker spot as often as he is teams know that if they foul him, it's a better chance for him to not score than just for them to contest him reasonably because he's so efficient and effective down there. So we'll see what he does. The nuggets didn't have any legs on this back-to-back. That was pretty clear. Uh, they did not shoot the ball particularly well. I think it was nine of 28 from three, which is 32%. They also shot seven of 17 from the line. Aforementioned. Aaron Gordon only shot one of four, but Jokic shot two of five. Murray shot one of two. Uh, Reggie Jackson missed his only free throw, and Peyton Watson went one of two. So guys didn't shoot that well, and and obviously it's it's a focus thing, but also it's a legs thing, and I think that that probably has something to do with it. But 
the fact that Denver was able to survive their first back-to-back and they didn't lose any of these games across these first four, I honestly think is pretty tremendous. I think it's a really good look for the team where they could have dropped a game on ring night. They could have kind of fallen apart a little bit in the clutch and against Memphis and nobody would have really batted an eye. OKC was the young upstart that they just throttled. And then Utah, second night of a back-to-back, Utah was resting. Like That's a game that they absolutely should have lost, in my opinion. Or maybe not should have, but like it was a very reasonable assumption that that was a trap game. And they didn't let it happen. So even though Denver didn't have any legs, they still fought through it. They played defense, and they shot 68% from two-point range. 68 That's tremendous. That is higher than what Jokic usually shoots, which is, I mean, (laughs) that is a, that's quite the statement there. Michael Malone, he closed the game with Christian Brown over Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter only played 19 minutes in this one, and it wasn't injury related. We asked Michael Porter or Michael Malone post game, and we asked him about it. I I asked him about it, and he said, no, uh, probably should have gotten Michael back in the game. Liked what he saw with Christian, liked what he saw with CB, uh, but he admitted that that was probably an oversight. That was probably a mistake that he should have gotten Michael Porter back into the game. Uh, and I, I agree with him. Frankly, I think he kind of forgot about him a little bit in the in the grand scheme of things. And I, I understand, like, Coach is going through a lot right now. He's, he's like everybody. He is overwhelmed by the start of the regular season. He's got a lot of pressure on him. And he also had a, a massive tragedy in his family. So. I don't want to belabor the point on that, but I can understand. And I think everybody kind of has that sensitivity and understands it too. I just think that we're past this with Michael specifically, like with Michael Porter. He has to play. He just does. He's earned it over the course of uh, not just this year, but all of last year too, where he really vindicated himself and vindicated Denver's faith in him. And the most important thing that Denver can do early on in the season outside of just winning is to get everybody pointed in the same direction. And I think Mike is pointed in the same direction. I I was going back and watching some of the plays. He made a couple of defensive mistakes every now and then in the third quarter, but he was also making good plays on the offensive end. He had a nice drop off pass to Aaron Gordon in the dunker spot off of a nice drive. He was looking for other guys and, and he wasn't just looking for his own shot. I think that Mike has to play And because it wasn't injury related, I think that this was just an oversight by Michael Malone. It's game four of the season, second night of the back-to-back against Utah. I'm not going to make this a big point, but I do think that let's, let's just at least track this because I don't think that Christian Brown is Bruce Brown. I don't think that he is. I, I don't think that that's fair to anybody to try to get him to play that role entirely. And Michael Porter's playing fine. He's playing good basketball, play him. Like there was no reason not to. It wasn't like Utah was going super small. Like they had John Collins, Larry Markinen, and Walker Kessler out there in the crunch time. So Christian Brown had to defend Larry Markinen at times, or he was defending John Collins. So this isn't a situation where they needed to like downsize and, and really match up and switch and things like that. This was a perfect matchup for MPJ, and he just didn't close. So something to watch, something to monitor. I'm not really that bothered obviously but just i want to make it a point finally let's wrap up with this good defense from peyton watson he and julian strother uh 
they combined, I think, for my favorite moments of the of the season so far, where I, I have a sick brain, clearly, because this is where my mind immediately went. I remember all of the moments that Michael Malone, especially when he was bald, he's not bald anymore, but especially when he was bald, he would want to pull his hair out for trying to help a young team grow, for trying to help a young team progress in the Nuggets, or it was with the Kings. And he had to go through the trials and tribulations, five years, six years, seven years. He's just going through it. And the Nuggets, they finally get him a veteran team last year. They finally start to get their heads on straight. They really deliver and they win a championship with their smart decision-making. Now he's got to coach Peyton Watson and Julian Strother off the bench. And there was a back-to-back sequence where Strother and Watson both airballed. Strother more so because he's taking a tough shot and and like that was the shot he was supposed to take. But he was like, still got to draw iron. Uh, And then Peyton Watson, he in transition rather than attacking the big, rather than attacking in transition with the athleticism athleticism that he has, he settled for a wing three-pointer, even though there was one contest. And that was not the best choice. And Michael Malone let him hear it, and he airballed it. And the fact that Strother and Watson had back-to-back airballs on possessions, to me, was just really funny. And it is... Something you can laugh at, obviously, because Denver's in a really good position right now. They can go through those trials and tribulations because they're still winning even on top of it. But it is just a nice reminder that Denver's progressed so far here that they are not focused on development as much. This year, they have to be. This year, because of the way that the bench is made up, they have to develop guys, whether it's Christian Brown or Julian Strother or Peyton Watson. They have, or Zeke Naji even, like it's such a young group. So Michael Malone knows that he has to be patient. He talked with Peyton Watson, uh, did pull Peyton Watson after that, but Watson got back in the game in the, in the second half and was pretty good then too. So was good to see for sure. Uh, look, I like what Peyton's done this year. He's been great defensively. He had some great possessions on Markinen, and there's just a lot of versatility with him. Put him on a point guard. Put him on a wing, put him on a forward. Like he can do all those things. And Larry Markinen is nearly seven foot tall. Like that is tremendous what Peyton Watson was able to do. And he has so much versatility on the defensive end that the Nuggets can just place him out there and use him as a Swiss Army knife defender and say, hey, go get that guy. And that is such a weapon to have if he gets his head on straight offensively, which it mostly has been. That was more of a blip than the norm but it is a teaching moment and Michael Malone made sure to teach. All right. That is all the notes that I have for that game. When we come back, we are going to chat about why the nuggets have been so great so far this year. I've got some numbers. I want to throw your way. I want to make sure that everybody's got the details here, but first folks, you can win a trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook sports. Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game. They will also give you two tickets to the game, plus a three-night hotel stay. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win. Superbook, they are transparent uh, about all these deals. They want to give you the best opportunities. So make sure to go wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. 
Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get podcasts, and also like and subscribe to the YouTube video here, especially if you're watching live. Thank you so much, everybody. Happy Halloween. I hope you're having a great night. All right. Let us chat about why the Nuggets have been so good. I could just say Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, they have the best starting lineup in the league, and the bench has been better than expected. That is, I think, the surface-level reason for why they're 4-0. They have done a great job, and they, they've delivered on basically all accounts. And there are not a ton of negative lineups this year. There's not a ton of groups where you can look at the minutes and say, yeah, those need to go. Like, I'm being pretty patient this year, especially from a lineup perspective, a lineup data perspective. I don't want to go into those depths too much because I've gone down that rabbit hole before, and sometimes like they're working towards an end goal, and you just have to understand what the end goal looks like. And for Denver, they are still trying to figure out which of these young guys is going to step up and be their seventh, eighth, ninth man in a playoff rotation, and that process is going to take a while. Uh, but so far, here are the numbers for Denver via Cleaning the Glass, a great stats website, a great stats database that does a lot of great tracking and excludes garbage time. So it does, like, I know there's a small sample size already, but once the numbers really start to get bolstered by a certain number of games, a certain number of sample size, this is my favorite website when it comes to figuring out which team is playing the best. Denver's not currently playing the best from a statistical standpoint. They have the third best point differential behind, I think, the Clippers and the Magic, which Kind of surprising. Now, those teams have not played as many games as Denver. They are a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to actually putting out the the number of games and number of performances that the Nuggets have put out. And Denver's schedule has been a lot harder than these teams. So I think it is a little bit more impressive. Like the Clippers got to face San Antonio. They got to face Portland. Orlando got to face Houston on the first night of the year, and they, they dropped a 30-point win on them. So not really a surprise that their numbers are a little bit inflated, especially early in the season for Denver. They had to like face down the revenge against a team like the Lakers that really tried to go at them. They played in Memphis, which is a tough place to play, even without John Morant and all the injured guys that they had still a good team, even though Memphis has really started very slowly this year. OKC is the young upstart that everybody was really happy about. And then Denver played a back-to-back at altitude. Like, it's not it's not easy. And, and Denver has made it look easy in a lot of ways. They have the eighth-best offense and the ninth-best defense, according to Cleaning the Glass. Now, you have, sometimes have to separate those numbers between when Jokic is on the floor and when Jokic is off the floor. I'm not going to do that for the purposes of this one. Just know that the Jokic numbers, really freaking good. That is where Denver obviously makes their hay. He, I think, is leading the team in plus minus right now, which, shocker. Like, that's that's not a, a, a strong surprise. But what has really been helpful for Denver has been the shooting efficiency from all over the floor 
And the shooting efficiency has even been reasonably good in the bench minutes too. Like I'm not going to pull those specific numbers, but you guys know what I'm talking about because Murray's been better. Like he's been good, especially with the second units. Reggie Jackson's been better than expected. Zeke Naji, a low volume guy, but certainly a, a higher efficiency guy because the in, the actual opportunities that he has, he's been taking advantage of them. And then Christian Brown and Peyton Watson. Brown started a little bit slow, but these last couple of games, he's looked really good. And then Peyton Watson, he's been honestly a revelation for Denver through these first four games or so. So it has been awesome to see Denver shoot with efficiency. Second in effective field goal percentage, but the kicker, they are top 10 in shooting efficiency on every spot on the floor so far this year. Whether it's at the rim, in the kind of the floater zone, the short mid-range, the long mid-range, uh, behind the arc, uh, either above the break or in the corners. They're not shooting free throws well, so I won't count that, but every other spot on the floor, they have been tremendous. Let me just go and pull up uh, these numbers once again because I'm actually curious to see what their half-court offensive rating is. It just would not surprise me in the slightest if it was the best in the league by a long shot. Denver's half-court offensive rating is... Oh, it's only eighth. That's that's wild. Okay, no, no, no. It's actually fifth. Excuse me. They are fifth in the NBA in half-court offensive rating behind the Clippers, the Mavericks, Indiana Pacers, and Sacramento Kings. All right, that's fine. Like, it has felt good, but they're also one of those teams that also gets out in transition relatively frequently, and they have been killer in transition themselves. Um, actually, they haven't. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Trying to do some of this live here, trying to figure some of the stuff out live. Just know that with the Jokic numbers specifically, they have been fantastic in the half court. They have been fantastic in transition. Some of the half or some of the bench numbers obviously going to drag that down, but the bench defense, on the other hand, has been tremendous. That is a lineup. That is a group that Denver can really rely upon. Uh, Denver's half court defense so far this year has been very good. It's seventh in the NBA. Uh, and they limit the number of points that teams get on putbacks as well. Uh, that is a strictly Jokic number, but it's also been when you talk about the bench, when you talk about how they're playing together, they have done a good job, I think, of rebounding as a team, even or even if it's not rebounding, it is contesting at the rim really, really well. Uh, Denver hasn't done a fantastic job of protecting the rim and making sure the guys stay out of the paints. Uh, they they will probably see some of that regression here a little bit. But I do think that with Peyton Watson and Christian Brown and Zeke Naji hustling their butts off on the defensive end, the Nuggets bench has been just fine protecting the rim for that reason. So I love what I've seen, and especially at the rim. Now, one thing that the Nuggets are definitely going to get a regression from on the defensive end their opponents have shot poorly, poorly outside of the paint. Denver, I think, is like it's the sixth lowest opponent three-point percentage so far and the second lowest mid-range percentage so far, mid-range field goal percentage so far. Those teams are not shooting jumpers well against Denver, and that will come down. That will be adjusted. Now, part of it is because Denver's defending well, and I, I don't want to completely undermine them. But I have seen, especially in these last three games, Lakers, I think they did a good job of contesting basically everything. But 
in the last three games, there have been some kind of wave off contests. Like we don't trust that you're going to make it. So we're going to wave that off and we're just going to get into rebounding position. And they have been rewarded for that by teams that have not been able to shoot the basketball. I think the teams that can shoot the basketball are going to hurt them. They are definitely going to like get that going. And like you're not going to wave off Steph Curry. You're not going to wave off Clay Thompson from, from the Warriors. You're not going to wave off the Suns, guys. Like Those teams are going to shoot well. And it just wouldn't surprise me if they put up 125 points on Denver. Because even though Denver's defense has been engaged, it has been good, there are still some things that I think is going to kind of regress. But despite that fact, I one of the things that I have done a poor job of in my personal analysis is trying to tie together how the offense and the defense feed off of each other and how those things affect each other. There is so much pressure, so much pressure on opposing teams to score and keep up with the Nuggets because Jokic, when he is on the floor, when he's playing with Murray, when Gordon is the third guy and they are running that three-man weave, basically, whether it's the pick-and-roll DHO game or it's just some post-ups and cuts and things like that, they are tremendous and teams know that teams know how good the nuggets are offensively unstoppable in the Jokic minutes specifically because he directs everything it's an absolute cheat code and opponents know that they have to keep up and i think it puts a lot of pressure on them i really do i think there is a tremendous amount of pressure on the opposing teams to try to keep up with denver there's a lot of respect that these other teams have for denver at least from what I've seen and the way that they've really attacked Denver or haven't attacked Denver so far this year, it's been interesting to watch and and something that I didn't really expect. I thought the teams would be even more aggressive trying to go downhill. And there's a lot of like tentativeness because the Nuggets are a champion. And I think that a lot of these teams are still trying to figure stuff out. It's also one of the reasons why the Nuggets are so much better than the rest of the league right now when it comes to just how they look and how they feel and how they play. Maybe not by the the point differentials and things like that, at least so far. They have played together, and they're one of the few teams in the entire NBA that is basically bringing back their entire rotation. Think about who's played so far on Denver. you got the five starters who are obviously tremendous. Murray, KCP, MPJ, Gordon, Jokic. Those guys, tremendous chemistry. Everybody knows what they can do. Reggie Jackson was on the team last year. He needed a training camp, and it looks like he's figured some stuff out over the course of training camp and preseason. Christian Brown, really good. Really, really good. He played in the playoffs for Denver for 19 of the 20 playoff games. Peyton Watson, probably the newest addition, but he also, I think, has the easiest role to fill because he is just there to provide energy and defense and space the floor and not mess up. And he has to read the floor on cuts. He's not going to be asked to do too much as a playmaker, as a creator. And that helps simplify the game for him for obvious reasons. And then Zeke Nagy, who people don't realize this, he played the most games at backup center last year for Denver. It didn't end up working out because he got hurt and because the Nuggets decided to go a different direction. But Zeke was playing, and he was playing okay. It wasn't perfect, but it was good enough. And Denver basically brings back their group, and they haven't really deviated that much ex- except the occasional Julian Strother addition. So 
it is interesting to see all of these teams try to work in new faces. Even the Lakers who are like, they mostly bring back the same group from last year. Like they have Reeves and Russell and LeBron. Uh, they have Anthony Davis. They're bringing in Tarian Prince, who, even though he basically fits like a glove with what they're trying to do, especially on the offensive end, they're still trying to figure things out with him defensively and within the rotation. And then you've got Gabe Vincent and Christian Wood and guys like that for the Lakers. Obviously, the Suns have a million guys they're trying to work into the group. The Celtics, even though they are 3-0, and and even though they, I think, have earned the right to be called this second best or best team in the NBA so far. They are still obviously trying to work out the kinks themselves and the bucks like Giannis and Dame. It's a little bit shaky in terms of how they're fitting well together so far. So it takes time. These things take time. And Denver's basically able to pick right back up where they left off because they were just playing in the finals, almost using the same group. It wasn't, it's not quite the same because the bench is a little bit different here or there. But it's a lot of the same style. It's a lot of the same plays. It's a lot of the same concepts. And it's mostly the same people. So I am not surprised. I'm not surprised that they they got off to this hot start. I thought they would be a little bit more sloppy. But if you told me, <laughs> if you told me that they were going to, um, if you told me that they were going to be, very focused on getting out to a good start this year. And that was a goal of theirs, which it seems to be. Then I'm not surprised. I'm definitely not surprised at all. So it's been good to see. What's up, my guy? Good to see you. Swipe a cam. Swipe a cam in the chat. Thank you so much for uh, for hopping in on this uh, on this podcast. Swipe a consuming my content. It's crazy. It's a, it's a two-way street on that regard. Swipe a. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, unless anybody has any questions, if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts on what is going on, on what is going on here, uh, then I am. The, now this is a question that I have to answer. Is this an ASMR video? No swipe, but that is just my voice. That's just what I do. And I think it's hilarious. And I'm glad that you brought it up. Uh, people have said that they, they have fallen asleep to my podcast on purpose because that's just what they want to listen to it up at night. So that was a, a very interesting compliment that I received and kind of like a, like a two headed compliment because that's uh that's obviously tremendous, but um, no, I think that's going to do it. I think unless anybody else has any questions, I think that is going to do it for this episode of pickaxe and roll brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook sports. Everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Uh, make sure, once again, give us a like, subscribe to the channel. We do great work over here at Mile High Sports, including Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Make sure to go subscribe to the Alley Oop as well. We'll talk to you guys very soon.